together we can create our new digital leader. Connection, engagement, confidence. Do we feel we are in a psychologically safe place? Language shouldn't be able to stop you from career progression. We are changing the, the future landscape of business, of leadership. Hello, and welcome to the Changemaker Conversations, brought to you by HealthTF Corporate Education. My name is Dr. Milena Kupez, and in this series, we aim to bring you insights and stories from leaders and leadership developers who create change and inspire others to do the same. Today, I have the pleasure to speak with changemaker Brian Murphy. Brian is Senior Director of Employee Skilling at Microsoft. In his role, he leads efforts to reimagine career development through the power of skills and a pervasive learning culture for Microsoft's commercial sales organization. But without further ado, Brian, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Melena. It's great to be here with you today. It's great to have you. Brian, I would love to start by asking you to tell us a bit about your background and your organization. Sure, sure. Um, so, yeah, as you, as you mentioned, I work for Microsoft. I've been with uh, the company for um, just shy of a year now. And I, I work within the sales organization at Microsoft, the global sales organization, about 60,000 uh, colleagues around the world, um, focusing on employee skilling. And specifically within that, I, I and my team are looking at career development, but career development in, in this very exciting uh, world of work and rapidly changing world of work and how we're helping our colleagues really set themselves up for success and using, as you, as you mentioned in your introduction, using the power and the currency of skills um, and also a, a, a really a, a always on learning culture across our across our org. So yeah, that's what I do. Before Microsoft, I worked for AstraZeneca, a global pharmaceutical company where I led learning there. Uh, and, and in fact, a learning, big learning transformation uh, project. And before that, I worked for City, the bank, Citibank, Global Bank, uh, doing various uh, learning, talent and HR roles. So that's me. Yeah, I'm originally from Ireland, now based in the UK, and I'm talking to you today from Cambridge. Sounds great, Brian, and it definitely sounds like you're a master of employee upskilling. And to me, upskilling means transformations. It means change. I know that, just like me, you're passionate about psychology and the cognition behind change. So today, I would love to talk to you about your perspectives of what drives change. Yeah, it's it's a great. I'm really glad that you you know you talk about uh, upskilling and reskilling in the context of change. I think sometimes we we just overindex perhaps on the on the actual skill development, but also not really thinking about the uh, the mindset shift and the behavior change that we need to to support as learning professionals. So I I love the way you framed the question. I I think there is. Um, there's a few frameworks or concepts that come to mind when you when I, when I reflect on your question. The first, I think, would be around a growth mindset. And I'm sure many of your listeners are very familiar with growth mindset. It's something at Microsoft we, we really um, prioritize. And, um, you know, obviously many of you will know growth mindset comes from Carl Dweck's work at Stanford. And in fact, at Microsoft, 
we've done a lot of work with Carol, um, particularly our CHRO Kathleen and our CEO Satya over the years. And uh, this concept is um, widely talked about, but it sort of has slightly different interpretations. For for me, it's about leading my curiosity. And uh, at, at Microsoft, we talk about it moving from a know-it-all to a learn-it-all mindset. This is really powerful stuff because, you know, um, in particularly in corporate life, uh, often we are we as leaders. You you can fall into the trap of feeling that you're really you're paid to have the answers and you're paid to know. And in fact, I think with the with the transformation um, mandate that we all have to to deliver against, often it's about really recognizing that we don't always have the answers, or in fact, we rarely have. A, uh, there's really one simple answer for anything. So really leaning in with curiosity, leading with curiosity, um, really moving from I don't know to I don't know yet is fundamental for um, for our success, uh, certainly here at, at Microsoft. And, you know, before I joined um, the company, I'd heard a lot about our cultural transformation. Um, but... But when I joined, I, I realized that this was not just talk, this was reality. And there's been uh, many, many years of uh, fantastic work being done here to to put that at the heart of who we are and what we do. Um, I think I think this actually you know goes back to when Sachi became CEO in 2014, when at that time, you know, obviously well before my time at the organization, but uh, something that I've been really interested in understanding the the legacy and the um, the history at that time the organization had really lost its way you know microsoft had been initially incredibly successful but then had you know missed out on some really big macro uh, changes you know the, the shift to social uh, to cloud to mobile and um uh, as such a you know talks about when he talks about this he talks about any many great institutions or civilizations in history have the down their downfall has really been hubris right it's it's been their failure to recognize that um you know that they they needed to continue to to evolve and to and to learn and um he and the leadership team at the time really started with themselves and and putting a growth mindset at their own at their own work and uh, and at their own in terms of their own development and really from then it's been a continuous red thread uh, very much to this day and you know we just we've just finished our cultural uh, series of culture conversations across the entire organization at microsoft and growth mindset is the continues to be the underpinning uh, principle under under underpinning our, our our culture and our continuous focus on culture so it's it's incredibly it's an incredibly powerful concept and something that can be, you know, looked at the system level, but also at the individual and leader level as well, of course. So that, I mean, the last thing I'd say on growth mindset, because I also obviously focus on leadership development. I know a lot of your listeners will as well. And the implication, I think the really the main implication for, for us as leaders is, is to really consider ourselves uh, leaders as coaches rather than as experts and and again you know particularly if you've been a subject matter expert or you've been promoted into a manager or leadership role 
because of your domain experience, it's often a challenge to break free of that um, that reliance on 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 having the answer, but actually to enable organizational transformation and to really support your team to grow and to learn, it's about often about having the right question rather than the right answer. So that's why we put a huge amount of focus on coaching. Uh, in fact, all of my teams, we've always use, used and seen coaching as probably one of the critical leadership tools in the in our leaders um, toolbox. So yeah, growth mindset, I think is is fundamental to um, to supporting using learning to support business transformation. Thank you, Brian. That's such a powerful explanation of the growth mindset. And I like how you explained that it's the very foundation of what we're trying to do and that you bring in the role of leadership. Now, uh, leaders obviously are change makers in the sense that they have the power to create the right environment for change to happen. And that gets me thinking about psychological safety. What is your view on that? How does that play into everything? Yeah, I mean, psychological safety is is such a fundamental component for a learning culture. I mean, it is the, I guess, the foundation stone of any high performing and therefore learning culture. Um, you know, so again, some of your listeners are probably familiar with the with the uh, with the concept, and and there was a very powerful Google. St- study that was done some some years ago it was a two-year study and they looked at the um the common um elements of high-performing teams and they found actually that the main common element was the 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 existence of psychological safety and and my definition of psychological safety by the way is is quite simple it's the belief that you won't be punished when you make a mistake and it's such a powerful uh it's such a powerful con concept to to embrace because you know if we feel that we are not going to be negatively judged or treated because of making mistakes we're much more open to taking to trying new things and to taking some risks in terms of potentially being wrong but that's how you learn right and so if you by by not doing that you're absolutely stopping people from learning you know we 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 clam up we we don't want to take try new things we want to play it safe and so you know it's it is really fundamental to um to supporting continuous improvement and high performance um and learning as a as a component of that it it, it also it moderates extreme risk taking so um because if you if you uh, if you allow for any sort of permission smart risk taking and it's part of what we do then you're not going to um uh, the, the research shows that actually um it, it actually stamps out extreme risk taking at the at the extreme end it also supports you know speak up culture engenders greater creativity and and ultimately can lead to market breakthroughs so this is really powerful stuff in terms of transforming your business i spoke recently at the um at the LSEG uh, Leadership Summit, this is the London Stock Exchange Group, and David Schumer, the CEO, brought his um, top hundred leaders together, and we spoke about this this to- this this topic. And it was a really fantastic day when we were really talking about 
um, examples of when this isn't is and isn't in place in in big organizations. Um, and I, I some I, we we got into actually an interesting conversation about the fact that, um, well, you know, if is it is it's a sometimes it's a difficult one to get right because people feel that well we can't necessarily make mistakes particularly in um, high risk industries and uh, professions and of course you know there's there's only the application of this can can vary but the principles i think are consistent and this is actually where the link to growth mindset comes in right so if if you're allowed to make a mistake and learn from it but then the next time you make you do exactly the same thing and you made exactly the same mistake and the exactly the same outcome comes comes through i don't think that's okay right i don't think that's part of the deal that's not a high performance approach so if but if you have a growth mindset you'll learn from these things you'll be open to learning this is why psychological safety and growth mindset i think fits so well together um i i'll give you a quick personal example you know at astrazeneca when i joined we the team had been working on a on a on a pilot of a an LXP, a learning experience platform, which was very much a CEO's pet project. And it wasn't going so well. And there was a little bit of resistance in terms of, you know, when, you know, should we talk to Pascal about this and when should we talk to Pascal about that about this? And sure enough, when we did speak to the CEO and we said, listen, this isn't working, we need to pivot, we but we've got a plan, we're gonna learn from this, we're gonna go to the next. Uh, pilot, but we're going to accelerate that pilot. Use use the learning from this this failure to to move forward quick, more quickly, and ultimately, I think we can get the right decision. And we did. And sure enough, you know, Pascal was like absolutely fine with this. He was, you know, no problem. Um, as long as you're using this to get to the quickest way to get to the so solution, then that's progress, right? So I I think. Um, you know, again, this is uh, something that, um, as as leaders, we have huge ability to be able to set the conditions for psychological safety, and it's not being soft, right? If this isn't a, you know, being being soft or being kind of easy, an easy touch, this is actually a really smart move to support um, the best conditions for your people to be to do their best work. And I, I guess there's sort of three ways I think that leaders can support psychological safety. First would be simply to encourage people to speak up and to challenge ideas. And sometimes you have to model that yourself, right? Uh, when I was at AstraZeneca, our, our um, CTO, our, our chief digital officer, chief technology officer, Cindy Hoots, used to say, there's no eagle, uh, sorry, there's no eagle in digital transformation. The best idea is the best idea. And I just love love that purity of that concept. So we as leaders have really have a huge amount of um, ability to be able to create those conditions for people to be able to speak up. The second one actually is somewhat related and it's listen and amplify voices. So um, I might tell you something a little bit controversial here, but I'm going to I'm going to say it anyway. In in corporate life, um, many of the voices that are heard are usually often male and extrovert. And I think our role as leaders is to really understand the power of making every voice heard. Again, this is 
really smart, a smart play in terms of making sure that we're getting the benefit of everybody's thinking and a great diversity of points of view. But that sometimes requires um, intent because if you're not intentional about that and you're sort of passive as a leader, then, you know, only certain voices will be heard. So, you know, I've had teams, I've managed and led teams where I've had introverts, extroverts, people from different backgrounds. And actually, you know, it's amazing the ideas and the intellect that lies often uh, behind and underneath the surface. And often people are just looking for an invitation to be asked to contribute. So listen and amplify voices is a, is a second. The third is allowing yourself and others to change their mind. And, you know, this is uh, so simple, seems so simple, but it's, it's really powerful because, um, and I also think it starts with, with you. If you, if you demonstrate and show that you're willing and able to change your mind where it makes sense, um, you're also sending a permission for others to do the same. And with the constant changes happening, you know, obstinately sticking to your point of view when when the conditions change is kind of dumb, right? Um, but often in, in corporate life, we can, um, again, be, be uh, fall into the trap of, of thinking that it's a, you know we need to demonstrate that we're right. So so at Microsoft we have um, a, a framework that we use with all managers at Microsoft in terms of guiding their their behaviors and their success as managers and it's model coach care. And model coach care actually I think I think actually underpins a lot of what we've talked about today in terms of psychological safety. You know you need to model this. You need to show up um, yourself and do the work on yourself first. You need to coach, um, very much linked to gut mindset in terms of how we support the development of others. And ultimately, you've got to care. You've got to create the the right conditions for people to feel safe, supported, and able to do their best work. So, yeah, psychological. I could talk a lot about psychological safety, so I'll leave it, leave it there, Belinda. But um, it's um, it really is foundational to to a high performance um, organization. Thank you, Brian. Uh, I love how you amplified on psychological safety and how you tied it to the growth mindset. In particular, I was intrigued by the last concept uh, you brought to the table, which is to allow yourself and others to change their mind. And what that got me thinking is that often changing your mind is viewed as having made a mistake and having made a mistake could be viewed as failure. And I know you have some interesting perspectives on failure and how that plays into everything. So I'd be keen to hear more on that. The concept of failure is such an interesting one. It, it's, we really have a hang up about it in corporate life, I find in my career anyway, I've seen it time and time again. And uh, you know, I've taught a bit about, I've taught quite a lot about this. You know, why is it that we have such a hang up about this when, you know, really we shouldn't. And I think some sometimes it might go back to education, the education system. I mean, certainly I've been scarred. I wasn't brilliant uh, academically, you know. <laughs> I failed many many exams, and maybe uh, maybe you know, not getting things right or not passing the test or you know, failing 
banning standards is is something which you know is is really a taboo, right? Um, when I when I worked at City, our global head of innovation, Vanessa Calella, uh, used to talk about about failure as something she really was trying to change mindsets around because she felt that at the bank, in particular at a, at a at an institution like City, which is a great institution, but you know, and but a traditional old organization it's um you know when you fail as a leader it's like it's like up in lights behind you you know it's it's something which is uh, really difficult to navigate and it really shouldn't be like that you know and failure 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 is the antithesis of innovation it's it stymies um innovation because you're you're not willing or able to to try new things to um to solve new problems And, you know, in startups and entrepreneurs, they do this for a living. You know, they fail for a living. What I, I, I say failing, but they don't call it failing. They just think it's experimenting and trying new things as quickly as possible in order to get to the, the right answer. And they'll fail fast and cheap because they don't have deep pockets like big corporates. You know, I have sometimes when I see in organizations, we're going to do a, an experiment or a pilot. It's going to last two years and it's going to cost $3 million. You know, that's that's not. That's not an experiment. That's not letting yourself fail fast and fail cheap. And it's about a, a mindset around this. So when again when I was at City, we had Brené Brown. Many of your listeners will know who Brené Brown is. She came and gave a talk to our our leadership uh, cohort around the subject, and she actually said that her organization and many organizations in Silicon Valley at the time were were auditing themselves on the number of experiments and the number of failures that they were having. And it wasn't because they wanted to support or encourage failure. They wanted they wanted to encourage experimenting and trying new things. And they would, on a weekly basis, be tracking how many experiments they were doing. And I'm reminded actually by the, of the Thomas Thomas Edison quote: "I have not failed. I've just found ten thousand things that do not work." So, I think it is a mindset around around this, and um, perhaps we we have. Uh, fallen into this trap in terms of our schooling uh, backgrounds and and uh, and still a quite a a, a traditional um, organizational construct around um, winning and and in a way it's sort of putting that on the head so maybe failure is winning um, as long as you see it as the quickest way to using it to prove what is the quickest way to success I'll give you a quick macro example of this at AstraZeneca. So uh, when I worked at AstraZeneca, it was also during the COVID pandemic and AstraZeneca was not a vaccine company. You know, we had to turn ourselves into a vaccine company very quickly. And um, really most, if you th think about most medicines, it usually takes 10 to 15 years minimum to get, to take a drug to market. Um, there's a lot of sequential, you know, trials and processes that need to be completed in sequence before we can get to that place. It's incredibly complex. The vaccine, the AstraZeneca vaccine was um, developed and produced in less than 12 months. And the way that only way that that could be done was to take smart risks and to um, use existing data sets and existing work. to hedge and, and to consider, well, what might be the outcome of the various different stages and to run some of these stages in parallel. 
on the basis that, you know, we're going to we have a pretty good chance that the outcome of stage one, two, three, and four is going to be ABCD, and therefore that's what, how we're going to inform the other stages in parallel. And it was risky, right? Because, you know, um, it mightn't have worked, but it was a smart, smart risk because it was informed. And it was also um, the only way that we could possibly get to producing the vaccine in time. And a lot of the vaccine was produced before, uh, not distributed, but but produced before um, all of the trials were complete. So it's just an example of, uh, of a new way of thinking. And in fact, after that at AstraZeneca, it really helped inform and support uh, a shift in thinking around transformation, how the how the organization could be run. So I think failure is a fascinating concept. And for leaders, again, the there is real implications for us as leaders in terms of how we embrace this. And it can be hard because it means you need to move out of your comfort zone. It means mean, means that you, often you have to put yourself, you have to demonstrate vulnerability and um, and see this as the quickest way to success, but that often you have to use your influence to be able to, to position it in that way. So it, encouraging experiment an experimental approach with your teams and with your colleagues is, I think, one of the things that we can do. And also don't let the perfection be the enemy of the good. I've, I've seen this a lot in companies I've worked for where by you can really fall into the trap of, well, we're just going to give it another few weeks to, you know, cross the T's, dot the I's and make this look pretty and perfect and then you sort of miss the opportunity right you've missed the opportunity just to move quickly and test and learn and get something in the system see if it see if it has impact or not and if it doesn't you need to drop it and pivot and so again not letting perfection be the enemy of good is is something i've come to to use as a, as a first principle and encourage people to try new things. You know, I think uh, we have to permit, give permission for that. Absolutely. And we have to encourage that and um, provide some, some air cover and support for, for folks to be able to do this. Um, because often those guys often can often get squeezed out of big corporate traditional structures because again, the system doesn't always necessarily naturally allow for that so as leaders it's our job is to create that space and create that permission and without doing that you know you 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 can you can you can miss out on a huge amount of potential wow i love uh, don't let perfection be the enemy of the good what a powerful concept i think i will be thinking about that one all day I'm definitely guilty of this and you really made me realize how it can stall transformation. I'm just going to say it again. Don't let perfection be the enemy of the good. It just really encapsulates the growth mindset within the context of psychological safety. Uh, Brian, you have shared so much with us today and I know you have a lot more to share as well. But what I would love is if you could give our listeners what you think are the main takeaways based on today's conversation in terms of how learning can drive business transformation. Sure. So I'd love the conversation, by the way. I think it's it's been it's been great. And I, I suppose the, the three things that I would reflect on today would be the the power of uh 
adopting a growth mindset and and being able to harness that power of curiosity. I think, um, you know, I see it on a daily basis here at Microsoft, and it's uh, this is powerful, really powerful stuff, stuff for unlocking um, unlocking potential. Uh, the second would be uh, to provide psychological safety to achieve high high team high performance in teams. You know, it is the bedrock to to a high performing organization. And lastly, uh, experiment, test, and learn being the fastest way to success. So I think these are the three the three uh, points that I would take away from this this conversation. Thank you. Those are really good points. And on that note, I'm going to ask you my last question, a question that we'd like to ask all of our guests. And that is, what is the one thing you know now that you wish you would have known 10 years ago? Oh, that's a great question. 10 years ago, I was only starting out of my L&D career. I was, I was um, a HR director and you know, HR business partner for the first part of my career. And, and learning was obviously a, a part of my role, but it wasn't my full role. I think at the time, I I really didn't realize the transformational nature of, of learning. I saw it as a pretty much a transaction, trans, a transactionary type of work where, you know, there was training programs and people consume content and it, it was um, input output in that regard. But I think the more I've, I've, been exposed to this work and the more I've had an opportunity to work with some fantastic L&D colleagues, I've realized that actually this is, this is really um, foundational in terms of how we can help transform organizations for business success. And this conversation today actually has been uh, evidence of that. And I guess, uh, well, I don't know if I wish I would have known this. It would have helped. It probably would have sped sped up some of my work, and I would have got there quicker. But it's been a fun journey to figure this out and to to realize this and to see it. And sometimes to, you know, if you're told something, it it's very different to figuring it out and learning it learning it through experience yourself. And the journey that I've been on over the last ten years is to is to experiment, is to try new things in the learning profession at the system level, just to to support organizational change and cultural change. And that's why I feel really passionate about this, this these topics, because myself and my teams have have uh, have had to figure it out and, and try and have tried this. And so, um, yeah, it would have been useful to have known this 10 years ago, but in a, in a weird way, um, maybe it's just as well I didn't because perhaps I wouldn't, uh, I, I wouldn't be as, I feel so, so deeply about it if I hadn't to have found my own way. You're definitely right in the sense that sometimes it's the journey itself rather than the outcome that provides uh, the learning we have now. Yes. Great answer. Yes. I love it. Uh, Brian, well, thank you so much for speaking with us today. I feel like I've learned so much from you and I know our listeners have as well. I will have to get you back on the show soon because I feel we have so much more that we could go into. Thank you it, so much. It's been my pleasure, Milena. Thank you for inviting me and hope to come back very soon. Have a great rest of the day. 
Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Changemaker Conversations. Would you like to talk further about unlocking human potential and creating positive change, either one-to-one or on this very podcast? If so, please visit healthtf.com slash inspire. Until next time, goodbye.